Amen. As you can tell, and as you know by the seasons and by all the somewhat frenetic activity, excuse me, Jill, it is Christmas. If you haven't heard, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the hap- happiest season of all. Isn't, isn't that true as, as far as uh, what we hear in the Christmas music and the Christmas song? But for many, it is also the most stressful time of the year. There are a lot of activities. Yesterday, I got a haircut. Me and half of Powdersville were in the waiting room at the Great Clips. But it was actually, uh, I got to overhear a conversation, and then after overhearing a conversation, got to engage with a couple that was there uh, waiting to get their hair cut as well. Before I actually talked to them, she looked at him, the wife to the husband, and said, you're going to need to reimburse me, pay me back for the gifts I bought on your behalf. And his response was, you've already bought gifts? <laughs> and she said, well, of course I've bought gifts. With the grandbaby coming and them being six hours away, and we're going to have to go up and see them, and we hope you know everything's okay. But then we're going to your mom's, and we're going to see her at Christmas time, and there's just a ton of stuff to do. Yes, I had to go ahead and buy those gifts. And of course, he changes the subject. He says, "Boy, I can't wait to see that new grandbaby." Takes about eight hours to get there, right? She said, "No, six, just just six. I, again, I loved I loved the conversation. But then he looks at her and says, "Do we have to do all that other stuff?" And she said, yes, <laughs> we're going to do all that other stuff. He said, and then he started talking about all the obligations at work. He just started a new job at work. He's going to be under a deadline with the work that he has. And she said, but you know that Bob is moving into a new house, and we promised that we'd help him move. And you know that Logan is having a recital. And if you think you're going to miss that recital, buddy, you better think again. It was interesting listening to them at, at converse. She said, I don't know how we're going to get things done, but we're going to do our best. We're going to knuckle down, and we're going to make it through this Christmas, and we will rest in January. I thought that was a pretty good mindset. Did you know that Christmas is a very stressful time of year? A lot of activities, a lot of things going on. 88% of Americans identify these holidays as the most stressful time on their calendar year. I got the information on the email. I don't know pastors get these things, and so I got an informational email that said, of life events, Christmas season is number six on the list of most stressful life events. And I thought, number six, wow. First of all, that's way too high. And second, I thought, well, I don't know, maybe it's too low. What are the rest of the things on the list? And included things like uh, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, a divorce, the loss of a relationship. And right there at number six was Christmas. And I'm thinking, wow, we have missed something when it's when when things are so stressful but then i got to thinking about joseph and mary you've heard scott read this morning how that mary was a young teenage virgin girl and the gabriel the angel came to her and said you're going to have a baby and this is a child that god is going to give you having known not a man and you will Bring him into this world. You'll be pregnant. You'll be ostracized by your community. You'll be acknowledged as someone who got pregnant outside of wedlock. You will be uh, outside of your, your betrothal to Joseph. And, and you're going to have to bring this baby into the world. Now, it's joyful tidings. This is the one that's going to save his people from their sins. But do you think Mary had just a little bit of stress thinking about the circumstances and situations? And then we didn't read from Matthew 1. But what about Joseph? He's engaged and all of a sudden... She is with child, and he's got this story that's almost impossible to believe. 
And then the angel comes and says, no, it's true. And tells him to get up and take him as take her for his wife. And he does. And then they come together betrothed and Quirinius as governor Caesar sends out that there's got to be a taxation a census a registration and so they have to pick up and travel 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem and they didn't drive they walked rode on the back of a donkey 80 miles didn't make reservations no Airbnb got there no room in the end in and then end up in a stable do you think that was a pretty stressful time for them And yet if you just look at the number of times the word joy and peace is mentioned in just the first few chapters of the Gospel of Luke, we know that there's something tied up in all of this event. There's something that God intends for us. There's a reason why Jesus came, uh, to bring good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the King. So I thought I'd take just a few minutes this morning and remind us and tell us how you and I can experience joy unspeakable and full of glory even when the circumstances are stressful. Is that something that you would like to know? I mean, if it's not, we can, this will be a very short service. But I do think it's important that we recognize that the command and the call to be filled with joy, not under our circumstances, but through our circumstances over our circumstances in spite of our circumstances is a call that is real for believers it's so important how to have joy and how to be at peace when the circumstances would dictate otherwise in philippians chapter 4 the apostle paul writing to the church at philippi on a book that's filled with joy he wrote it by the way from prison But on a book that describes so much, uh, this letter that describes so much about the joy of God, I want to just bring out a few things in this passage of Scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Here's the command. Rejoice in the Lord. And what's the next word? Always, really? Can you rejoice always? In every circumstance, in every situation? Rejoice in the Lord always? The, The reason I ask is because I think that's the first thing that would enter your mind if you're reading this and again i think paul probably heard that in his own mind because what's the next phrase and again i say rejoice rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice let your reasonableness we'll come back to that in a moment be known to everyone the lord is at hand do not be anxious about anything don't stress don't fret over this but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving Let your requests be made known to God. And here's the promise. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we need you. We need you for joy. We need you for peace. We need the joy that you bring. (laughs) Excuse me. We need the joy that you have brought us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to know you, to walk with you, to trust in you. And I pray that as we look at the busyness of this season and And even the tragedies and the trials and the difficulties that we face just day by day, week by week, week, month by month, that you will help us to recognize what you have given us in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we may hold to and trust and depend upon him, walk with him, experience him fully and completely. For those who do not know him, I pray, Father, that you will draw them to yourself this Christmas season, that they will come to know you and they will have 
the Lord at hand, the Lord in their heart. For those of us who do, I pray that you will set our minds upon you, that we will rest in you and trust in you, and this will be the most joyous Christmas season that we've ever had. In your name I pray. Amen. So, there's something about rejoicing that has to do with the presence of the Lord, what we celebrate Christmas for. Remember what he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So our joy, our rejoicing is focused on, is depended upon, is wrapped up in the presence of the Lord Jesus. And that's what Christmas is all about. God with us. God coming to us. Emmanuel, what Jill sang about just a little while ago. Emmanuel, the presence of God in our presence. The Lord is at hand. Now, while God has always been at hand, He is our Creator. He's never distant. He's always with. The coming of Jesus Christ changed everything. In the Old Testament, the Israelites were chosen and created to be the people of God. As a matter of fact, when they were called out of Egypt into their time of wandering... His presence with them was known by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. As a testimony, I am God, these are my people, I'm with them. But he had a group of people that he set aside for a special and specific task, duty, and relationship. And it was the priest. It was the Aaronic priesthood, Aaron. Now, those guys had specific duties and responsibilities while they were in the wilderness. They built the tabernacle, and you had the, the altar where the, where the sacrifices would be made. You had the holy place where some, some additional sacrifices and burnt offerings would be made. And then you had the holy of holies. And the high priest could only go into the holy of holies. Only one priest out of all of them. Only one time a year, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, could go into the Holy of Holies, signifying the presence of God. Now, God was with His people, there's no question. Moses would go into the tent of meeting, and he would meet with God and talk to Him as a man talks to his friend. But the priests had a different responsibility or role. They were to look to God to be sufficient for their every need. You know when they went into the Promised Land, how many tribes were there? How many Jewish tribes? Twelve. You're right. I heard that tentatively. Yes, there are 12 tribes, okay? Now, how many of them got land? How many of them got a portion of land in the promised land? Did they all get one? Only 11. Why only 11? Because the Levites were told when we give out that, by the way, you know land was their bank account. It was their security. It was their future. It was their promise. It's what they handed down to their kids. You're aware of that. Uh, that the promise of land was a promise of, of income in agrarian society. It's a promise of a heritage. It's, it's, uh, it, it, it was what they would get their security from. And he told the Levites, you don't get land. And in Numbers chapter 18, it's a, it's a fascinating passage. He says, the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in that land, neither shall you have any portion among them. And here's the statement that God makes. I am your portion he's telling them listen you depend upon me you get your resources from me you get your security from me you get your joy from me i am your portion i'm all you need i am sufficient for you i am your inheritance among the people of israel this was echoed by the psalmist in psalm 145 when he says i cry to you O lord you are my refuge you are my portion my only portion in the land of the living in our circumstances, we can rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice because Christ is our portion. 
You see, the miracle of Christmas is that God took on flesh and He came to be born, to live, to walk, that, that we might know God, that we might have peace with God through His sinless life and through His death in our place on the cross. He gives life everlasting. Now, the Lord is not only my portion, but He's trustworthy. You guys know that, right? God is trustworthy. God is either God or He's not. He's either in control or he's not. He's either right, good, holy, and pure, or he's not. And he is, and he is completely and totally trustworthy, and he has a plan. Paul, God works all things according to the counsel of his own will. God works all things according to the counsel of his own will. And in Romans chapter 8, it, it's very clear, the scriptures say, that God causes things... Work to, to work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose, for those who have been chosen, for those who he, pre, he let me read it so I don't mess it up. For those who he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he called and those whom he called, he justified and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So here. Is when the that I want us, is what I want us to get when the circumstances are difficult and challenging, when we're struggling, when when it seems like our circumstances are overwhelming, we have a Savior, God with us, that we need to look to. Remember what Paul told them: Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Now, when you focus upon the Lord, what happens to your character? What happens to your character? Do you guys know any Chicken Littles? You guys know people where the sky is always falling? They kind of run from one crisis to the next. They kind of go from one panic mode to the next. There are, I have some friends, some very good friends, who are ultimately freak outable. You guys know what I mean? They can, they can, they, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Um, this, the reason I bring that up is because this word, it says, let your reasonableness, is really kind of hard to define. It's used several times in Scripture, and here are the Greek synonyms. Seem, seemly, equitable, yielding, gentle, mild, forbearing, fair, moderate, controlled, reasonable. It's just a wide range of words. So what does he mean when he says, your reasonableness will be known to everyone? Well, at the very least, it means calm. At the very least, it means come. Probably the King James Version, I believe, is the translation that uses the word gentleness, your gentleness. But that doesn't seem to communicate a whole lot because we've kind of lost some of the earlier English meaning of gentleness. I think that's a good one. But you're familiar with the word gentle, uh, as in gentleman or gentlewoman. It means an individual who is uh, controlled, an individual who is uh, uh, a stately, one who, be who behaves with grace and decorum. It means to be calm. I think that's part of it, but it means more than that. It means someone who is at peace when everybody else might be losing their head. It means one who is not panicked, not freaked out, if you will. Joseph and Mary got called in to go through this experience. They got sent to Bethlehem, and I'm sure they thought of their inconvenience and not what they wanted. And it's a hard and a dangerous trip and task and duty and responsibility and they had to wonder if there was any good in it. And the point of the fact is that there is a God who is working out his plan in them and through them, even through their discomfort, even through their pain. 
and he's trustworthy, totally trustworthy. And so when you go through the stresses and you think about the difficulties of life, I want you to recognize that you have a Savior who is with you who is not only providential, working at his own plan, but who plans for his glory and his good, and he also plans for that which is best for you. Here's one of the challenges that I have. When we come across difficulties and struggles in our life, I was talking to someone this past weekend, and if it was you, that's great. I don't remember who it was. You can remind me later. But one of the observations that we had about human nature is that everyone tends to be very self-obsessed. Everyone is always concerned about what's going on in their life. And in their, and so it's hard sometimes to get people to actually listen to you. Have you guys found that to be true? And, and I think part of the reason that it's so hard to get people to actually listen to us is because they're so absorbed in what's going on with them. And then I got to think about that. Well, what about me? I want them to listen to me, and I'm not. Does that mean I'm focused on me? That I'm focused on myself? Can I tell you that too many times we go through life thinking about our comfort, our convenience, or thinking about our needs, or what's going on in my life, or what I've done, or what I haven't done, and it's all about me, 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 and yet when we come to Christ, one of the things that we do to Him when we come to Him is we say, it's not about me, it's about you. It's not about my purpose, my plan, my dreams. I give my life to you totally and entirely. And I trust you to be in control. I trust you to be in charge of my life. And when things happen I don't like, and when things happen I don't want, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust you that you cause all things to work together for good and for your glory. I'm going to trust you that you know what I don't know, that you know better than what I know. I'm going to call out to you and depend upon you. I'm going to rest in you i'm going to believe in you that what you say is true that you make no mistakes that you're totally and completely trustworthy because we need to stop giving god orders folks we need to recognize he's god and that we're not and he is sovereign and he is dependable and trustworthy and when the circumstances go to pieces around us or things happen we don't want we need to recognize that we have a lord who is with us he is at hand that he's working that he's that he's our our portion and that he's got a plan and he's dependable and you may say well hey i I, by the way if if you're taking notes we just got to point one but i'm gonna do point two and point three really quick so you can breathe but can i tell you that when the circumstances go to pieces you ought to focus on jesus and you ought to keep calm you see, when we set our minds upon Him and who He is, and when we set our minds upon His power and His provision, when we, when we take our eyes off of the storms that, 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 that assail us around us and we remember our Savior who gave His life for us, listen, gave His life for us and gave His life to us, we can trust Him. You can trust Him. It's more than calm, but it is at least calm. And here's what he says. It's like the disciples in the boat when the storm came. He's with you. Don't freak out. But you say, hey, my circumstances are real. My pain and my loss, my grief, my diagnosis. I don't know what, what, the, what the stresses of this. These are my schedule, my relatives, whatever the stresses, stressors are in your life. I'm not saying that they're not legitimate. I'm not saying that the pain is not real. I'm saying that God is sufficient in the midst of them. 
Habakkuk, Habakkuk, Old Testament prophet, makes this saying in Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. He says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, all right, that's my loss of income. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit on the vines, or the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. Though the flock be cut off from the fold, and though there be no herd in the stalls, yet still I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me to tread on high places. We're talking about a dependable God. Isn't that good news? We have a dependable God that we can trust in even when the circumstances are bad. You guys remember the Garden of Gethsemane, right? What did Jesus pray about the cross? Father, what was the request? You can speak out loud. It's all right. Permission given. Take this cup from me. Father, take this cup from me. What's he talking about? Going to the cross, the crucifixion. The same thing he'd been telling his disciples for years that he was going to do, and that's the reason why he came. And yet, the picture that we have in the Gospels of Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying, sweating drops of blood, knowing what he was about to face. Father, take this cup from me. And yet, where did he come to? Where, where did that prayer lead him to? Nevertheless, Yet, not my will, but thy will be done. And God's will was done. All right, God's will was done. Now, the supplication is important. I want you to recognize because even in our own text, it says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, your calmness, your unfreakoutableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Here's the, here's the next point that I think is very important. Go ahead and fill that out on your outline. Anytime a circumstance comes up that causes you to almost freak out, that causes you to worry, that keeps you awake at night, that runs around in your mind, that creates anxiety in your life, you need to see that as a call to prayer, as a prompt to pray, as a prompt to pray. What does he say in this text? Rejoice. Rejoice. And do what? Let your prayers be made known. Let your supplications be made known. You guys know the root word of anxiety. I've taught on this before. It's meridzo, or the, in this sense, meridzomai. And it means to be divided. It means to have your head, your, your mind, your thoughts just kind of split in different ways and running around. You guys know what that's like, right? Do you know what it's like to have just a thousand things running around in your head? And a thousand things running around in your mind, or maybe just two or three things that, that make you restless. But I'll tell you, there's another sense in this. It's rather than being focused on Christ, we just let our mind divide and focus on the different circumstances that are around us. The answer to the frustration and the stress that we have is knowing that the Lord is near and then talking to Him. It is a call to prayer in everything. By prayer and supplication, let your request be made known. Jesus did in Gethsemane. He prayed. He called his disciples to pray with him. And the, and the answer here is peace. Not my will, but yours be done. So while our minds dwell on circumstances, we pray and we direct our focus to him and his will and his overarching sovereignty in our life. I was talking to mom on the phone yesterday. It's our first Christmas without dad. 
Some of you know kind of our story, and some of you are, are walking a very similar journey, and God's gracious, and He's good. It, it, you know, these are not fun days. There, there are really difficult circumstances sometimes to face. First, the first holiday without a loved one, the first, a lot of different things that can cause stress and can keep you awake at night, can cause some real sorrow. I was talking to mom, and she said, you know what? I have resumed doing that I haven't done in years. I've started memorizing scripture. I said, that's great, mom. Why? And she said, so I don't lose my mind. I thought that was a great answer. I, I think she was talking about that she doesn't lose her cognitive abilities. But in addition to that, <laughs> in addition to that, so that she keeps her mind set upon the truth of God's word. We talked about that for a little minute. I said, I, I like to memorize scripture too. Let's memorize some passages together. And she said, boy, she's memorizing these long verses. And I said, let's memorize First Thessalonians 5.17. How about that one? You guys familiar with it? Pray without ceasing. Three words. I can handle that one. Are you familiar with those short promises? Verse 16, rejoice always. Two words, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Isn't that great? Rejoice always. How? Pray without ceasing. But what if I don't get what I want? Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And by the way, the last verse in that little series is, don't quench the Spirit of God, which would be not doing all of those things that He's just commanded. Now, and I'll close here, but listen. A lot of times we say, ah, that's just a platitude. You're just talking out of both sides of your mouth. You say pray and I'll be happy. I prayed and I wasn't happy. You ever been there? Uh, when I went to uh, the uh, doctor, he said your blood work came back and uh, you got high cholesterol and you need to take a torvastatin. Not, not, not to be too revealing, but that's enough, right? And I said, Doc, I already took it. It didn't do any good. And he said, how long did you take it? I said, I don't know, a week, two weeks? I don't like taking pills. And what was his response? What is a reasonable response? You haven't been taking it? Take it three years and then come back and we'll see how it works. It's like going on a diet. Have you guys ever been on a diet for like two weeks? How'd it do? But if you stay on it for 12 weeks or 18 weeks or six months... What about exercise? <laughs> I did have a guy tell me, he said, I'm not going to the gym. I already tried that. It didn't work. Going to the gym only works if you keep going to the gym, right? You understand what I'm saying? A lot of times we say, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to pray and then I'm going to be happy. As if it's some formula that we can just pull out and use like making a payment or a purchase. And that is not what's being said here. Here's what God says. He says, I am the Lord your God. I promise to never leave you. I promise to never forsake you. I promise to be your provision, all that you need at all times. For you to experience that and the joy and the rejoicing that comes from depending upon me, you need to continually set your mind on me and rejoice. When anxiety comes, you need to continually talk to me and make your prayers and your supplications known. And I don't mean, Lord, Bless me, Lord. 
help me, Lord, just do this. I mean, spend time in communion and conversation with God. And as you do this, not once or not as some sort of first aid, spiritual first aid kit we pull out as necessary, but as a pattern of your life, what is the end result? And the peace of God which passes all understanding will rule in your minds and your hearts and your lives. It's important to get it. It's so important that we recognize what happens when we give our lives to Christ in this manner. We become filled with joy unspeakable, full of glory. And that's the third point on your outline. It's not a command. It's just an acknowledgement that we can expect inexpressible joy the more we walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a lot more that I was going to share today, but I'm not. But can I read you a poem? that was turned into a hymn a little over a hundred years ago. Many of you will be familiar with it. Listen to the words. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Listen. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Focus on Jesus and be calm. See every anxiety as a call to prayer and expect peace. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Who wrote this? Jacob Scrivener. He wrote it for his mother as she was going through a tough time. But here was a, an Irish-born man who was an immigrant to Canada. He was a believer who struggled. He went to college. He was going to join the military. He was in poor health. They would not let him join. His career path was turned upside down. He was engaged to be married. And the day before his wedding, his wife was drowned in an accident. Shortly after that is when he wrote this. He wrote this for a mother who was, his mother who was going through a tough, tough time. Here's the question. Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Here's the promise. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You want joy at Christmas? Focus on Jesus. Don't panic. Trust Him. He's your portion, and He's got a plan. See every stress-inducing circumstance as an opportunity to carry on a conversation, to call out to God, to pray, to make your request known to Him. And you'll find He's trustworthy, and He will give you peace and a cause for rejoicing. Isn't God good? It's why we sing joy to the world. I'm going to invite these guys to come on up. And I will invite you guys to stand. We're going to close this service this morning by singing joy to the world. And at the, at the close of this song, we will be dismissed, okay? So we're going to close this service by singing joy to the world. Mm-hmm.